Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Zach Rutledge. Zach is author of the official Depression Relief Playbook. We have a great conversation on depression, anxiety, and how to overcome these things. It was really good. I hope you guys enjoy. Please check me out on Instagram at Noor Kidwai. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And we're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records. So check them out too. Guys, let's get into this week's episode. My guest this week, Zach Rutledge. All right. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. I'm here with Zach Rutledge today. Zach, thanks for joining me, man. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's a real honor. Oh, man, this is going to be cool. Um, so you're like a jack of all trades. So I'm going to let you kind of like uh, maybe tell her my audience a little bit about uh, who you are and like all the different areas you kind of uh, belong to. Um, one thing I do want to mention is your book, uh, The Official Depression Relief Playbook, um, which I think is actually such a perfect uh, book for my podcast. So uh, definitely we'll touch on that. But how about you give yourself a better intro for my audience? Yeah, sure. Well, like you said, I, I wrote the book, which is, I guess, the reason I'm here. But um, the reasons people should listen to me <laughs> is, uh, well, I'm a certified personal trainer. Um, I'm a certified uh, fitness nutrition specialist. I'm a certified brain health coach through the Functional Aging Institute. I have a black belt in karate. I'm finishing up a um, yoga teacher training. So I'll be a yoga teacher in about six weeks. And uh, I'm going for my second master's degree in January to become a licensed uh, therapist, like a psychotherapist. So nice. And uh, I guess like with the psychotherapist thing, like uh, that's plays perfectly into your book. Like it was it like after writing the book, you were just like, I need or I want to like uh, actually be able to help people at like a clinical level. It was about the same time. So like, it was really, honestly, it was, it was a, it was a um, kind of an organic way of getting there. It was, I was working with uh, my nutrition clients and we were, it was, the pandemic had just hit and we were meeting through Zoom. And when we would talk, we weren't talking about nutrition. <laughs> These people knew what to eat. So uh, they were just kind of working through some issues with me. And I thought, well, you know, that's great. I'm glad I can help through just, you know, anecdotal or my experience, but I would really like to be able to step this up the next level. So that was what put me on that path. Hey man, I love that. And uh, yeah, you'd, you'd definitely be able to help a lot more people and uh, do it. Yeah, yeah. no, that, I think that'll, that'll be great. Um, and uh, yeah, especially if you're a therapist who has your own book, I think people like that. <laughs> uh, but hope. let's get into your uh, background a little bit. What was first? Was it uh physical like uh not i uh, was a trainer where you like first became a trainer and nutritionist what was like first and like uh when would did the book come into play okay so the book was until that's the latest like project that i've done right okay so it's kind of a long story to get there but i'm here so let's do it so <laughs> so growing up i was you know i thought i was just more moody than other kids i thought i was just like kind of like a moody punk rocker right 
So now that I have the insight, I could see that there were some chemical things going on as far as depression, right? But at the time I wasn't too aware. It wasn't until the summer after high school when my best friend was killed. And it was, I, I say that I was kind of caught in the perfect storm. So, you know, my best friend was killed. Two weeks later, all my friends were leaving for college. So my entire support system had dropped out. On top of that, my karate school was closing. And on top of that, um, there tends to be a pattern where, let's call them quirks, like depression and OCD, tend to manifest in late teens, early 20s. And I was smack there. I was 18. So everything kind of spiked all within the summer of uh, graduating after high school. Um, so that was the deep, deep depression. And I had attributed it to grief, which maybe we can get into later. But um, to get to your question, my first block coming out of it was through the fitness. And it took me a while to get there. And, you know, we may come back to that as well. But yeah, it was the fitness and then, you know, dialing in the nutrition. And it was really building these blocks up one at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm a firm believer that there's not a silver bullet cause of depression and there's not a silver bullet cure. Mm -hmm. So it was over really a decade of trial and error, uh, learning things from, you know, incorporating things from, from Zen and yoga and incorporating things from Western medicine, all of it put together. And uh, my goal with the book is hopefully I can get people to the, that better place without taking 10 years. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of the books that I had read were at the time when I was, when I was really researching things and really trying to get out of my head. Um, a lot of the books on depression were academic or they were all about ways of thinking and there wasn't actionable things to do. Mm. Fine, but that's only part of the puzzle. And a lot of them were written from people who never had depression, who never had to go through the struggle. They don't know what it's like to have the setbacks. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was really the point of the book. And, um, and it came about really, honestly, because of, of the pandemic. It was, I had some people contacting me. They knew I'd been through some tough times and they were getting hit with all kinds of things. So a quick backstory for people who don't know, I'm from New Jersey. So we got hit particularly hard. When you saw the hospitals on the news with the, um, the patients in like the gift shop, that was us because they didn't have enough room. So we got hit particularly hard. It's a little frustrating seeing people who don't like believe in the, they didn't believe in COVID. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, guys, like we're not all getting hit the same way. Like I'm here, like I'm, I'm those worst case scenarios. I actually know eight or nine people who passed from it. So, oh, and shit. Yeah, and a lot of them weren't old. I know a guy, athlete in his 30s, passed from it. I know a girl, um, she is 27 years old, ridiculously fit. She's in one of my classes, incredibly fit. She got sick in December, and at the time of this recording, now in June, she's still sick. So Damn. it was, it really clobbered us. So point being, a lot of my friends in this circle who, who live in New Jersey were reaching out to me for help, and I said... You know, instead of writing emails over and over again, I joked. I was like, I'm going to write a book. Mm -hmm. And then one thing led to another. I was like, you know what? It really would be easier to write a book that I could just give out to people. So I ended up writing the book. I love that. Hey, man. Then like, that's actually the perfect time to do something different. <laughs> I started yeah. this podcast with the and during the pandemic. So I, I guess that we're kind of on the same page there. Good for you, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are silver linings. There are good things that came out of it. You have to look a little tough. 
little harder, but uh, there are good things. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I did love what you were just saying there is like um, how like fitness was your first block and like how you kept adding different blocks. And this was kind of like a long term thing. And it was like a trial and error because like, you know, I, I won't say I ever suffered like severe depression, but I've definitely been um, in like moments of depression. And I remember coming out of it, it, it was always kind of like trial and error of like adding things in and or removing things that weren't serving me kind of thing. And um, yeah, it seems like uh, so like for you, like when you're when someone is like in that depressed state and like they're even struggling to find that first block, like how how, how do you like uh, how would you approach them or like what, what kind of advice would you give them? So, like I said, there's no silver bullet. So I let them know that there's, it's not going to be an overnight fix. It's going to be a journey and celebrate those small victories along the way, because you're, you're going to change your lifestyle, but it's going to be for the better. Uh, but it's going to take work. You have to put work into it. I have a buddy who suffered from really bad anxiety, like crippling anxiety and anxiety and depression tend to travel the same pathways in the brain. So he, I, I eventually, you know, talked him into getting on medication. I said, you really got to talk to your doctor about this. And he did, he, they had discussed medication. He was afraid to take it, which I understand. He eventually got on it and he said he felt a lot better, but he was still calling me with uh, anxiety. And I said, dude, that's only part of the battle. You still have to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like that's not going to solve everything. So I, I hate when people, I don't, I shouldn't say I hate, but I, I don't think it's encouraging when people say, they give advice like, oh, you just get on this medication, you'll be fine. Oh, just start working out, you'll be fine. No, it takes, it takes a lot of things, um, but it's all good. And I had a, some really nice um, compliments on the book. It was like, I, I was talking to a few therapist friends of mine and they were like, this book is great for, even for people who don't have depression. This is just like a really great book for keeping everyone's mood up and keeping everybody healthy. I was like, oh, thank you. Like, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Hey, that's uh, perfect. Uh, and like, I, mean, I listened to a few of your podcasts and like, yeah, a few of your stuff, like even if you're not doing meditate uh, or not, uh, if you're not suffering from depression, I think like a few of the techniques that you teach, like they really are just something that'll just help you like in your life. I, I'm like, a lot into like goal setting now and like you know I'm trying to like set up my thing so like I have my goals and like aspirations so like it's a lot of the stuff that you were talking about like with like visualization and like uh writing goals and stuff I it really like clicked with me yeah that's great I, I love that yeah and, and I should point out and you may have heard this on another podcast and I apologize if I repeat a few things but these are the points I, I tend to get I like to get across um when we're, when we're goal setting, I, I am a sucker for pen and paper, man. I love writing it down. I don't like putting things in a phone and constantly going back to our phone, back to our phones. That seems to be like a source of anxiety for a lot of people, our phones. And it's also just always connected to us. And we're on our phones. We're in front of screens enough, right? Especially lately. So uh, I really love writing goals down on a physical piece of paper and then crossing it off. Mm. Um, a quick example is I, I actually have a daily checklist that I go through every day and, and then I'll, you know, I'll add or subtract a few things depending on my day. But the first thing I always have is a tall glass of water. When I break up, or sorry, when I wake up, I brush my teeth and then I drink a tall glass of water and I put the water on my checklist and I cross it off and I know I'm going to drink the water. That's yeah. not a, that's not a tall, a tall mountain to climb, but um, there's something about that daily ritual of, like 
getting that first win out of the way, that one tiny little win, and it sets the day off in the kind of the correct motion. And then what I'll do is I know I'm going to eat a healthy breakfast, but I eat a healthy breakfast and I take the supplements that, that I should be taking. Cross those off. That's another small win. So you just kind of keep building on these wins. That's another little piece of advice I'll give people um, with depression, you know, is, um, well, I already said, it's not going to be one silver bullet, but take it like tiny, just micro bites at a time. Mm-hmm. And take those small wins for sure. I love, I love that. Yeah. Um, do, when do you uh, write your daily checklist? Is it like the night before then? Oh, this, I'm going to sound like a crazy person. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I actually... I have things that I want to go through every single day. And I know I want to go through them every day. And it's about like 10 things, I would say. Like I, I play bass. So I want to practice bass every day for at least five minutes. And that's on the checklist. I have you know, a few other things. So I actually photocopied them. <laughs> so I just have a stack of paper. And then I have like, you know, there's lines underneath it. And I can just fill in whatever I have to do for that day. But yeah, I know that's a little crazy. That's not for everybody. But I just got tired of writing the same list every single day, you know, so I just photocopied it. Hey, no, hey, I love that because uh, I know when you have like uh, some habits that you want to keep for something like completely daily and stuff like that is a great way yeah. to do it. <laughs> I, I'm actually wondering then, cause like even writing this book and all the different things, now you're going to grad school and stuff. So like, you're definitely somebody who like is like achievement focused in a cer- certain sense. Um, like what happens like when you're doing these like daily checklists and what happens when you fail? Because like, how do you not let that, um, like, you know, how do you not let that snowball into something worse or even like back into depression? Because that, that's one thing I think over the years I've sometimes had struggles with is like, um, I'll, I'll have those like great moments of a few months of just like really like hitting those checklists out all the time. And uh, sometimes I'm seeing, um, like positive things in the rest of my life because of that. And then like, for some whatever reason, I might end up like failing for uh, like a couple weeks and like I don't hit those uh, marks. And like, sometimes I'm, I'm like not too conscious of it. And then you're conscious of it, like in hindsight almost. And that mm-hmm. can kind of set you back into a little bit of a depression. Um, well, how, do, how do you deal with those things? Well, my checklist, that's actually the beauty of this little checklist I made. And I thought about including it in the book, but everybody's checklist is going to be a little bit different. Um, so the, the, the beauty of it is I kind of use it as a pilot, right? So when a pilot, something doesn't go right when they're flying, they don't freak out and say, oh, what should I do here? What should I do here? They have a checklist they go through, say, and they just calmly go, okay, was this wrong? No, was this wrong? No, was this wrong? That's it. And they, they work through it and that's the end of it, right? So... My checklist is if my day starts to go a little askew, because I have to knock out my bigger goals first, right? So, or I have podcasts or whatever. Knocking out what I need to do. um, And then I get pulled aside by something that kind of gets me in a bad mood. And I'm feeling a little scatterbrained, a little whatever, unfocused, and my day's not going the way I want. I can go back to my checklist and say, hold on a minute. I can't focus on anything right now. My day's going like not going well. I go back to my checklist and say, okay, what's the next easiest thing on this checklist I can bang out? And once I knock out a couple of those, I kind of feel like I'm back on track. And I don't beat myself up for anything that I missed because I know that this is something that I'm going to be doing every single day. Mm. So I just count those things as wins. So at the end of the day, when I go to bed, I'm just like, well, look, at, I, I still knocked out these X amount of things, right? Mm-hmm. So I know that my day wasn't wasted. 
but yeah, I, I kind of view it as like a like a net almost. Yeah. Okay. I, I like that. And um, no, I, actually, it's kind of funny. It's like sometimes you got to take it easy on yourself. Like I think people with a depression, like depressive mindset, sometimes like really can be hard on themselves. I was actually just talking to a comedian the other day. Uh, I don't know if I told you I'm, uh, I'm into comedy. So like um, I was talking to some younger comedians and like I was just trying to give them advice to kind of like let them keep going and everything. But uh, yeah, one of them was kind of saying to me like, when they have a rough set, like how hard they are on themselves afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to tell them like, you know, rough sets are part of the game. Like it's like, absolutely. and it's just like, you have to like have a way to be like easier on yourself afterwards. And like, that's just such a important part of this kind of thing. And honestly, it's in like, and like you're like, you said yourself, like we're going to all fuck up every once in a while. Like it's okay to, you know? Yes. It's going to happen. I love that you brought that up, right? So what you do, so I'm a musician. So we're like, you know, we're used to performing in front of people and there's similarities, right? Like I'll have, we'll have an off day when we're playing. Um, So, and there are so many variables, right? So there's no point in beating you up. If the crowd wasn't there that night, if they're not feeling it and they're in in a shit mood, then, you know, that's not on you, right? So, I mean, and that could be one of the variables or just, something bad happened in the news or, you know, it's just the vibe. There's a vibe that you can pick up from the crowd, you know, and that's fine. So, but then there are things that you can't control. Right. And I'm sure, and I know you're the same way you win or you learn. Yeah. Right. You don't lose the night. You're like, okay, if this joke bombed, then, okay, I'll swap this one out. Right. So you just learned ways to do it better. And that's really the way to, to look at life in general. I think instead of beating ourselves up, I mean, we need to practice, um forgiveness in major ways right i feel like that should be like the theme of 2021 especially in the u.s we've had such a tough time the past few years um we got to chill out and really forgive each other and forgive ourselves now i almost say forgiving yourself is a given like you're saying like we really need to practice that because you wouldn't talk to a stranger the way you talk to yourself like you wouldn't tell your buddy who who bombed you know or supposedly felt like crap after he supposedly bombed let's say he wouldn't go up to another uh comedian who had a similar night and say oh dude you sucked you and you know but he did it to himself so that's crazy right so i tell my my clients like you know you wouldn't be a bully to another person well guess what you're a person so stop being a bully right so that's the first thing right so go easy on yourself second and this goes especially for people with depression you got to practice forgiveness with other people um because I've had people say some real stupid things to me, real stupid things. Um, but I understand now they uh, didn't understand what I was going through because they couldn't understand what I was going through. Mm-hmm. My depression was mine it, and they weren't in my shoes. So if, if they were saying something, you know, that didn't resonate with me or, or just felt, um, insensitive or whatever uh that's okay they can't understand so you've got to practice that forgiveness and that's another weight that's going to come off of your shoulders hell yeah and uh yeah i like how you said you we don't talk like we don't talk to other people the way we talk to ourselves sometimes like it's actually true like even the comedian that you uh where i was talking about like I haven't seen him for two years since before the pandemic. So I haven't even seen him on stage, but like just watching him, I was like, 
oh this like this kid's actually like grown a lot as a comedian like they he's gotten better but even to himself he's like fuck i had an off night so he's like he's like really like hurting himself like uh being hard on himself but from an outside view it's almost like hey man i could see your growth over time like yeah you spend every day with yourself so you're only seeing that you you never see that growth but like for us like yeah. we see it that we can be like hey the process is working like you got to take it easy on yourself yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, you're, you're not going to see the same progress because you're only seeing those little tiny steps in front of you. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk about other parts of your book then, like um, about uh, like uh, relieving depression then. Um, any any parts of the book you want to share? Uh, well, you know, I always start people with the physical, especially if they're not working out or they're not treating their bodies great. Uh, I start people there because it's something that you can see and it's very... Uh, it's not easy, right? And everybody's going to be on a different level, but it's something that's easy to mark. Like you can see if you've worked out X amount of days a week, or, you, you know, if you're not into working out, if you've uh, played games, you know, like I'm, I'm a big fan of, have you heard of pickleball? No. Okay. Okay. Nor. Okay. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get into this. Okay. So pick, pickleball is a cross between ping pong and tennis. So it's like a really small tennis or a really big ping pong. And we actually, I just moved across the street from a couple of pickleball courts and um, it's super, super fun, right? So even people who don't work out can play pickleball. I'm also a huge proponent because I'm a brain health coach and the pickleball is really good for your brain. Anyway, okay. that's a, so you don't have to be working out, right? You can be just playing games like that. Um, but I do really think people need to be active. Another big one, you know, when it comes to physicality is just dialing in their nutrition, right? So a lot of depressed people just go for junk because it gives them that blood sugar spike. Mm-hmm. They feel okay for a little bit and then it crashes again and they want more junk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're used to kind of feeling like garbage all the time. One big part of this, you know, we obviously want to cut out the junk, but a big part of this is people tend to eat a lot of foods that just don't agree with them. So I am a big fan of whenever I have uh, nutrition clients, I tell them to get um, an allergy or an intolerance test. And it's a bunch of little needles they put in your back. It's not as bad as it sounds. And they basically test, you know, which foods aren't working for you. So like, I know, I already know, I don't need the test to know that if I have a glass of milk, it's not going to end well, right? But a lot of people are eating these foods like breads or, or whatever. It's different for everybody. Everyone's a little bit different. They're eating these foods that are creating this chronic inflammation. Now, inflammation, uh according to some circles, can be a cause of depression, especially when it gets to your brain. Another thing is, you know, your gut health, you actually create 90% of your serotonin in your gut. You don't yeah, create I've heard gut. that. I've heard that. Right. Yeah. So if you're eating all these bad foods, you know, and it's disrupting your gut, that's already going to disrupt your mood. And you may be, you may not really be in tune to that. You may be used to feeling, you know, it only creating 50% of the serotonin and being like, okay, this is just how life is. But if you can get all those foods that aren't agreeing with you out of your system and get in some low inflammatory foods, like I, I always give like kind of a, um, a modified version of like the, uh, um, was it the Mediterranean and the low inflammation diet. And we just swap out things that maybe don't agree with people, but you know, Mm -hmm. it's like a generally just healthy diet. Right. Um, yeah, there are actually doctors who prescribe probiotics, believe it or not for depression, because that's another school of thought is that it's, it's, um, a gut disorder. That's, which I, I think that's part of it. I don't think it's all of it, but I do think it's part of it. That's so crazy. Eh? Yeah. No. It, it is crazy, right? Yeah, we're, all, we're all one thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, no, it is interesting, like uh, how food does play like a part of it. Uh, I never even thought about getting that allergy test, though. Uh, so, where would you get an allergy test? I could do it at my primary care doctor, and I just, I just highly recommend it. Highly recommend it for anybody who can do it. Yeah, because like the one thing is like I don't think I have uh, any kind of allergy, like like something like a lactose intolerant that might be like very easy to kind of like self-diagnose, but. I, I'm wondering, like, because uh, I, I definitely know once in a while I get inflamed and something set me off and uh, it, like my mood goes down or my energy levels just like uh, completely go down. But I've never pinpointed that. So you're maybe you're right. Maybe that's uh, that's something <laughs> I should be looking into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I recommend it. OK, so we start off with fitness and nutrition, which uh, I, I guess that's a that that is a huge one. And like, I guess when you're talking with people who are depressed, is that such a, like, that can be a tough jump to make, right? Yes and no. I mean, like in the first chapter in the book, I'm trying to get them on my level, like letting them know that I understand and I know that this is hard. And, and, and then, you know, it's kind of like a pep talk type thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but like I said, the, the physical part, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge step. I know a woman, you're going to not believe me. I know a woman who went to bed every single night with um, a two liter bottle of soda. And she would, by the morning, that two liter bottle would be gone. She would drink it overnight. So whenever she gets thirsty, she'd wake up a bunch and drink this bottle and it would be gone the next day. So like all I did with her, the only nutrition thing I did with her at first, I said, let's swap that out for water. And she said she didn't like water, which is actually pretty common for people who have really, um, I guess, insensitive taste buds. They're so hyper, they're so used to sugar. They, yeah. they need something, right? So I said, squeeze some lemon in there and let's see how this goes. So she put the lemon, she put some mint in there, I think. Um, and that was the only change I made. And for her, that was huge. And we talked three weeks later, and she said, that's the only change she made. she made. She had lost something ridiculous, like three pounds in three weeks just from that. And she said she felt like her mind, her, her words were like, her mind was lighter. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, all yeah. right, very cool. I like, imagine if we dial in the rest of your diet, right? So yeah, it, it affects people. So it doesn't have to be a big jump. Mm-hmm. And that's actually kind of funny, like uh, how you said the your mind is lighter because like that's kind of how like it feels, eh? Because like when you are like when you are feeling depressed, that feels so heavy, or even like yeah. anxious can kind of feel heavy too. But Absolutely. um, yeah, and like I know with me, like, and I know you're into breath work as well, and we'll talk about that a little later. But like when I do meditation and breath work, it's like the one thing I love about it is the lightness I have afterwards and like the lightness I can bring into the rest of my day. It just feels you just feel like so much more flexible. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Okay. So we move on. Let's let's move on. Like, so after fitness and nutrition, where, where do you like to kind of go after that? Um, it, well, everything I do is, is pretty much tailored for the person. If I'm talking to them, you know, individually, uh, but in general, um, I try to get them into some kind of like, at least open to the idea of therapy. Now, therapy is like, I understand there's still a stigma, right? Um, But I try to explain to people like, you're building a team, 
you're still the CEO. Nobody's going to tell you what to do, but you're building a team of essentially coaches, right? So, and I, I think you've got to dial in some kind of a therapist and um, your primary care doctor as part of your team, right? Those are your two like assistant coaches. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, my doctor put it really well. She, like, she was really cool about making sure like I knew I was in charge. She was there to, to help me, which was really nice, right? Instead of her barking orders at me. So as far as therapy, um, I, I, I talk about this in the book as well, but I tried therapy uh, not too, too long after my best friend was killed. And I did one session. I didn't really like it. And I figured, okay, therapy's not for me, which was, you know, what an 18 or 19 year old would say, right? It, yeah. like, that limited, that limited, uh, uh, I guess, vision of what their life can be. So uh, I tried again a few years later. I found a therapist that I kind of liked. He ended up moving away. They stuck me with his um, assistant. And she was very young, very fresh out of school and she was super academic, didn't resonate me, resonate with me. So I came out. It wasn't until my fourth one that I finally started to see some really great benefits. And the insight that I gained just from talking things out with a stranger um, and, you know, being made aware of like the Myers-Briggs test. I don't know if you know what that is. Mm -hmm. you know, the personality test, right? It was like amazing. I had never heard of that kind of stuff before. And just looking at things in a different light, hugely beneficial in my life. Um, that along with, you know, talking to your doctor about your depression, I think it's super important. And I know, um, people are hesitant to, to even talk about medication, let alone go on it. Uh, so I do talk about this in the book now, now to be fair, medication is the very last thing I did. Okay. That was what was happening with me was I would feel pretty good all day. And then around eight o'clock at night, I don't know if it was a testosterone drop or what I, that's when everything kind of got dark. And I, and I eventually got to that point where I was like, you know, I want to live my life past 8 PM. I want to mm -hmm. like still be able to feel pretty good. So I talked to my doctor and she, I was very hesitant. I, I never, I, I didn't, it wasn't until the third time she brought it up that I finally tried the medication. Cause she was like, look, if you don't like it, just stop. And I was like, Oh, didn't even know that was an option because I believed all these myths that like, you know, you had to be on it the rest of your life and um, all kinds of things about how it was going to change my personality. Not true at all. Now, I know people who took medication and I said, well, how did, you know, how is it? And they were like, oh, well, I did it for three days and I, I came off of it. It's like, well, no, you got <laughs> to <laughs> give your body time to adjust, guys. Like, because they didn't like the side effects. And I'm totally open about, I had side effects. But, but <clears throat> their first week was the hardest. Second week was the second hardest. And they eventually tapered off till eventually I'm at my point now where I have no side effects. Mm -hmm. So you've got to give your body time to adjust. A lot of people don't tell you that. You know, you're going to feel like I had some insomnia. The weirdest one it took me the longest to get over. It was like, I had this weird feeling in my jaw. Like I was about to yawn. <laughs> it's like so oh. weird, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that lasted like six months or something that would like kind of kick up here and there. But everything is gone now. Uh, so yeah, like get it at least in the conversation with your primary care doctor and or a therapist, you know? Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's actually really uh, good advice. And I, I've actually talked talk to a lot of people on this podcast about uh, who like suffered through like depression and stuff. And definitely like uh for a lot of them like medi uh, medication was like one of the 
things that really did help them like get their life back on track. And honestly, like you said, there shouldn't be a stigma behind that or therapy. No, because, you know, I have a friend who's diabetic. He's not like, there's no stigma in him giving himself insulin. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) You know, like, okay, it's just part of, all right, like we've all got something, right? So if for some reason we treat our brain like it's a, it's a, not even part of our body, but it's just, it's, it's okay. It's there, there shouldn't be a stigma. (laughs) So, uh, how do you look at like, uh, our mental models, our mindsets and like how that like, uh, kind of like intersects with depression and stuff. So a a big part of that is, well, like you said, not beating yourself up. I, I actually, this is the toughest one to talk about, not emotionally, but because mental stuff, um, not ephemeral, but I'm trying to think of the right words. It's like the not actionable kind. But um, tell you what, while I'm thinking of this, if anybody wants a free chapter of my book, have them email me and I'll send them the mindset chapter. Because I, I feel like in a way it's the most important chapter and they can email me and, and I'll send that to them and they can see if this is like their cup of tea. Maybe they'll get the rest of the book, uh, which I firmly believe in, by the way. Uh, so anyway, and Canadians love the book. I, uh, I, <laughs> I, um, I, I, did a couple podcasts with like therapists in Canada and they're actually recommending my book to their clients. Nice. Like, oh, <laughs> like, you guys really are really nice. But, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, the, so the mindset stuff, um, and we've talked about forgiveness, which I think is huge. And we, and, we, and we've talked about, um, setting micro goals, but, and this actually ties into another small chapter I have is, um, we've got to set our input, to the right settings. So by that, I mean, when I was at my deepest, darkest point, I had a very tough time concentrating. And um, I said, okay, I've got to really dial this in. I've got to do something where I can concentrate for half an hour because I couldn't concentrate for half an hour. I said, well, what's half an hour? TV. Okay, so what should I watch? I said, okay, I'll watch the news, which is the worst possible thing I could have done. Mm. Uh, I don't need to know about every murder in the tri-state area. No kidding. So, yeah. So it, it, I was just kind of feeding myself that negativity. And there's a place for news. And, you know, I'm not anti-news. But for somebody who's depressed and that's all you're taking in, that's a, that's a rough step. So I'm a huge fan of, uh, well, podcasts like yours. You know, these positive podcasts, getting those on when you're driving. I'm a huge fan of, you know, the, the, the classic guys, let's say, like Jim Rohn and like, um, um, you know, Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. by napoleon hill things like that and just kind of getting seeing what what sticks with you mm-hmm. um but feeding yourself these things uh it, it just makes sense because it, it's like feeding your mind the right fuel i actually have a little list in the back of my book um that of other people's books that i think could really help you know and and i make it a point to read um i read two books at once and i read you know something like that uh and, and i read something for fiction just for for fun and for like brain health is reading fiction is actually really good for your brain. Um, but when it comes to like, you know, the self-help section or, or whatever you want to call it, self-development section, um, there's still a stigma around that. Cause you know, you're kind of, I remember still being kind of embarrassed walking into that section. If I'm in a bookstore or something or a library and I'm like, I just assumed people would say, Oh, well that guy's, you know, corny (laughs) or you know he must be broken right that's the idea he must be broken but you got to look at it like therapy right it's your coach and these are just other coaches telling their stories of success 
things that worked for them. These people are keeping records of this stuff and we're not reading it. Like that seems crazy to me. Like this is like a noble effort for lack of a better word to, I, I can't think of many better things to be reading and doing with your time as you know, um, putting this time and, and, and knowledge into your mind. It's out there. We just got to seek it out. I, I feel like that's a, that's a great thing to do. Hell yeah. And you're not broken. That's like, uh, and that's like, that's even like another mindset thing. It's not broken. It's like, you're never going to be completely fixed or whatever the word is. It's a constant mm -hmm. journey. So you're it's all, like, yeah. So why not always like keep like improving, always keep growing, like and improving might not even be the right word, but growing, always keep like adding and changing and like that kind of stuff. Cause that's like, that's usually what's healthy and what makes like uh, life worth living. <laughs> And there's, there's kind of like a magic to it. Cause like, I remember seeing my friends and being like, man, like I'm really depressed. And like, but getting to their level didn't even seem appealing to me. Like working just some day job that they didn't like, just kind of going through life. That didn't seem appealing to me. Um, so, but when you read these other books, it's kind of like you're getting let in on a secret. It's like, well, they're actually giving me advice on how to follow my dream. Mm -hmm. Like that seems like I'm not just coming from depression to normal. I'm coming from depression to where I need to be. So it's a really, I don't know, just a great resource. Like these things, these things, you know, are worth a shot for sure. Totally underutilized. Mm -hmm. And uh, mental diet, so huge, so, so huge. And um, like one thing I remember and like probably now seven, eight years ago um, when I kind of started changing a lot of stuff in my life, um, like, regular diet was a big one where it was like, okay, I need to eat better. And it was like, that was like a big part of that was like, all right, like when you have time, go grab fresh ingredients and cook yourself. And like the one thing I always used to do is like, I would play like different podcasts or different like stuff like that. And I'll just go cook. And it became such a nice, like therapeutic thing for me. Not only mm. that, at the end of it, I have like a nice, healthy meal a nutritious meal and I became a better cook and I like always kept listening to very positive stuff. Like back then I was always into like um, Alan Watts and Eckhart Tolle. And like, these guys were like people who gave me like, like really helped me out with my spirituality and like really mm. understanding stuff deeper. And like, yeah, honestly, I, now I do that. That's like just one of my favorite things to do is just to like, like completely unwind um, and put on like a great uh, podcast or something and just like, uh, end up cooking like a nice healthy meal trust me jim Rohn's across my path a few times too yeah. so yeah no i think that's brilliant you know i do the same thing when i make breakfast i'm not much of a cooker or like a, a chef or a baker or any of that kind of stuff like i i really am terrible uh but yeah it's it's i don't enjoy the process of cooking <laughs> okay let's put it yeah, that yeah. Way. no no worries it's a chore yeah. for me however however when you do exactly what you said you know you put on a podcast that you love it, it changes the game completely, changes the game mm. completely. You know, I, even like long drives, you look at it in a different way. Because sometimes, you know, I love music. It's one of my favorite things in the world. But sometimes if I'm going on a long drive, last thing I want to hear is another album because I'm just, you get that uh, fatigue. But if, you, if you're playing some, some really interesting podcasts, and, I, and I'm not just blowing smoke. I think your podcast is great. I really think more people should be listening. You have some really great guests on. Oh, thanks, you know, pe people listen to that. You know, it's, it's going to change our lives. It's going to change our lives. And yeah, and like how you were saying with news, like, uh, and like, I, I know, like a lot of younger people don't, um, well, I guess that might not be true. I was going to say we don't watch news as much, but I guess a lot of us do. But like, I, I'm thinking more of like, one thing I've noticed is just there's so much with social media, just so much like 
angry philosophies out there mm. or like ideologies out there and it's like i'm not even going to say like oh it's right left it's like i've seen it on every kind of like part of the access of everything where a lot of it's just like people go to the same uh social media pages all the time and those social media pages are programming them to say like this group is bad or that this you're getting screwed this way or like this is you know and like whatever it is it's some sort of angry philosophy that they're constantly programming into themselves every single day and it's that like that kind of mental diet like there's just so much bad stuff that can happen to you you can constantly play the victim and just be like oh my world's like you know sometimes they get trained to be like oh my world's just like because of this I'm like my world's fucked up which is just like that can be so devastating but also it can teach you to hate other groups and stuff as well which could also be so devastating but like that's another point of mental diet that you really have to be aware of and the news used to do that to people all the time like it's easy to go look at the news and see the kind of fear and anger they um they spread but i think now with like social media this stuff is so much more sophisticated and mm. now that anybody can just jump on youtube or something and start a page it's uh, it's very interesting how these things work uh, absolutely yeah and there's a lot of misinformation out there i mean we had people storming the capital in the us because of misinformation mm. so it's um it's something i don't know how we're going to navigate this uh and so I, I, I love everything you said. One point I want to make is there's a difference between the world and my world. So the world is all this stuff that's happening out there that you can't control. Now, keep in mind, just like you said, there's these, there's these algorithms that point you in just one direction, right? So you're not getting this, wide, this wider spectrum of news like I guess people used to, even though we have way more information. Everything's kind of uh, putting you down this one chute, right? Uh, so it's reinforcing your beliefs. Let's put it that way. Um, either way, let's say we're, we're even just going on something mainstream and that's what we're, what we're bringing in. Uh, that's the world, but then there's my world. There's the stuff that I can control, right? And there's my friends and there's my neighborhood and there's my body. So that's really where we need to put our focus because that's where our energy is going to mean something, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, I think, uh, again, everything you said was important. Yeah, man. Um, so let's, uh, let's move on a little bit to, uh, uh, like, I don't know, I want to see more of like uh, self care exercises you do. And like one I just know you do is breath work. Um, mm -hmm. What kind of breath work do you do? So I do box breathing. I mean, I mean, I also I'm going to be a yoga teacher. So I do like pranayama breath, things like that. But mm -hmm. when it comes to like, um, meditation and concentration. So this is more of a concentration practice than a meditation, but it can, it builds that bridge. So the mm -hmm. box breathing is all through your nose. Okay. And what that, what happens there is when you breathe through your nose, the air passes over this little cluster of nerves in the back of your nasal cavity. And that activates your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest uh, system. So all through the nose, if you can, and you breathe in for a count of four, hold for a count of four, out for a count of four, hold for a count of four. So it's like you're building a box, right? Mm -hmm. So that's it, four, 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 four to your speed. 
and try to do it all from your belly, that deep diaphragmatic breath. So it's not like a, a, a vertical breathing, it's a horizontal breathing. So it's your belly going in and out. This nice, deep, it, it feels like it's your belly, but it's actually your diaphragm pulling it down. And um, trying to do it, I like to do it with my eyes closed and just visualizing the numbers as I go. And that's it. Just do that for five minutes. Now, I can also couple this with, let's say I had a presentation at work and I was nervous to do it. I would start with this box breathing and visualize myself doing this presentation, right? So it's like I was doing a dry run without mm -hmm. actually doing it. So it was like, I'd visualize myself doing it perfectly or maybe for you guys, you know, visualizing your set, right? Visualizing, because um, uh, I don't know how you guys do it. I, I marvel at the comedians, like the memory you guys have like it's mind boggling. Like you memorize so much, but you also stay so sharp and able to turn on a dime at the same time. I don't know how you guys do it. I like you guys, it, that's so good for brain health, by the way, what you guys do. I should, I should point that out. I'm a big brain health guy, but yeah, you guys are amazing. But anyway, um, cause I play music and you know, we're playing the same things, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's some improv here and there, but we know we're, we're playing the same things. Um, so, uh, yeah, getting in that, that visualization in there is also really powerful. The only thing is you have to practice it during times you're calm, because if you only do this box breathing before something that gives you anxiety, you'll create that association with uh, anxiety. So every time you box breathe, you're going to get anxious because you're like, oh, something, you know, tough must be coming up, you know? So you, you got to do it when you're calm too. Okay, that's interesting. So yeah. yeah, don't do box breathing before something that you know is going to make you anxious is what you're saying? I'm saying don't only do it then. You, have, you okay. need to do it during times you're calm and that's how you build your base. And then you can start adding it to, to times when you're about to be anxious. Okay, okay. If you all, yeah, because if you only do it when you do things that are difficult or going to throw you off, then you associate it with the, hard with the harder stuff. But yeah, if you, if you build that base of everything's calm, everything's cool. And then you do it once in a while before these tough events. That's your mind saying everything's calm, everything's cool. This is what we know. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, you're right. And like, uh, no, and so many people on my podcast have been talking about different types of like, whatever it is, but to like activate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is like, get yourself nice and calm. And like, it's hilarious, like how many different modalities come back to this whole like simple concept of like, just finding that being able to be in that calm state and get out of that stressed out fight or flight state, which we need these days. I mean, so much info coming our way, we're constantly getting stressed out. Uh, I, I firmly believe, you know, whenever we talk about health, or fitness, we're talking about, you know, um, activity, and nutrition. Like we always talk about those two, which is great. We should be talking about those two, but I, I really think within the next few years, we're going to start talking about it as a triangle. And that other uh, side is going to be like the rest and recovery side. Like we're going to be talking more about sleep and learning how to de-stress because we're just so stressed out these days. That's, that's going to be a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's talk about visualization then too, because this seems to be a big part of your life. Like yeah. So how, how do you use visualization and like, what do you see like the benefits of it? Okay. So I tend to do it before. So I teach group fitness as well. So I tend to do it before some classes. So I'm not constantly going back to a piece of paper and trying to figure things out. I'll do it before back 
when we were playing concerts, we're, we're not quite back yet here. Uh, but before COVID, I, was vi I would visualize, you know, if we were nervous to play in front of however many people, I would visualize um, my set. I would literally visualize what my fingers were doing on the, on the fretboards and that. But also, you know, like I said earlier, I would visualize things for work, you know, like I would get a lot of anxiety, you know, up to even just a couple of years ago, visualizing presentations. Um, I would get a lot of anxiety getting in front of people who were, you know, clients, let's say, and I would have to go through this pitch. Visualizing that just helped me um, feel like I got a practice run at it. So that, that was really the, the big thing for me in, in part of that. Ah, visualization. Sorry, I just had my kitten play a little too hard with me. Because <laughs> <laughs> like now they're actually like showing like, because I know you're talking about you're big into brain health. Like they're actually showing that visualization like in the neuroscience kind of way. It's actually like almost building new connections and everything, is it not? Yeah, it is. It is. There, there are some pretty famous studies out there. Uh, if, you, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, really interesting ones on um, people who visualize free throws. You should check that one out. And people who visualize uh, um, squeezing those, I forget what they're called, but like for hand grip strength. Okay. Um, if, you, if you Google those, absolutely fascinating. There are, like you said, physical connections being made as if you were actually doing the hand grip squeezes. It's, it's wild. Okay. And like, so how about with like free throws? Like if you're visualizing free throws, does this actually was, like make you a better free thrower? Yeah, I believe this was Harvard and they had three groups. One group actually do the free throws for X amount of time. One group do nothing. And then the third group would just visualize it. And the people who visualized it, visualized making these free throws, uh, almost did just as well as the people who actually did it because they were going through it in their minds. <laughs> like, what, like well, well, well above people who didn't do anything at all. Like they were almost there, right there, people who actually did it. It's pretty wild. Okay, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. like that is crazy. Uh, I like that. I, I Like it's kind of funny, like just doing comedy for so many years, it's visualization, it's just something I naturally did just to, you know, prepare for comedy sets and everything. So like- yeah. Fantastic. And like, I, I love that. And I, if you noticed, if you watched the Olympics the last time around, the Winter Olympics, and if you watched, um, I, I snowboard, so I like snowboarding. If you watched the snowboarders, especially the half pipe, before they were going to do their tricks, you would see every single rider now, without an exception, would come up to the, the block before they were to start. They would close their eyes and you'd see them just twisting their body a little bit and they would visualize their entire run before they did it. Every wow. one of them is into it now. So yeah, yeah, it's going to be a, that's going to be a bigger thing as well. Yeah. And like, that's so funny how the brain works that like, you can just like, yeah, you can just turn it all. Uh, yeah. You can just close your eyes and just like actually visualize it. And it's like, your brain feels like it's right there. Like just shows the power of the imagination. Eh? It's wild. It's wild. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, all right. Uh, we're closing it on the end here. Uh, one thing I was uh, interested in, like, uh, I'm I'm just trying to think like uh, with your like spirituality and stuff like and being like a karate guy in the karate background. I wonder like how did karate like uh, did did it shape your spirituality at all? Maybe even your discipline. Discipline probably right. It did. So I got into karate when I was ten years old. I was lucky enough to fall into a really good school that just happened to be close by, 
And I did it till I was 18. And um, one thing they opened me up to was the meditation. And, you know, this is, this is a while ago now, right? So this was something that was not being talked about in the mainstream at all. So this meditation was a big deal. And when I was 16 years old, it really cracked me wide open. It, it did open up my, um, my spirituality in the fact that, so I grew up um, Methodist. So like, um, was that Protestant, you know, and, but I was, I wasn't like a big church goer or anything like that. I was just like, you know, kind of fell off and did the whole Christmas and Easter plan. Right. Like a lot of people I know do. And, but the, the, the karate and the, and the spiritual aspect reaffirmed at the very least that there is something else going on that's not on this physical world. And it was something that I could, and it sounds cheesy, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I could feel it. I could feel it. And it only came through, you know, the hours of training and the hours of really getting to this discipline. Um, and it, it, was, it was a life changer for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, I guess that uh, kind of brings us to the question of the podcast, so I'll have to ask you that. But uh, Zach, God, yay or nay? Yay. Yay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I guess like how you were saying that, like, it kind of like it kind of gave you like a little bit more of that feeling of connection. And that's kind of where your spirituality kind of like uh, resides in a little bit. That's where it started. Yeah, that's okay. where the journey started. So, like, I'm um, at the risk of offending people. I'm, I'm not like I don't consider myself Christian anymore. I mean, in a way, yes, I, I love the, the the teachings of, you know, uh, of Jesus and things like that. But I don't follow everything to the letter. I believe that um, that God is. All these religions are trying to get to the same place. Let's put it that way. They're all trying to get to the same place. And what I'm trying to find out for myself still. I'm relatively young, still trying to figure out what is that, this exact definition? What is it we're really going for here? Because I, I do believe there is some kind of all loving power out there. And there is some kind of all loving connection between all of us, but I'm still on that journey. Still trying to figure this out for myself. Yeah, no, no kidding, man. <laughs> I think we all are kind of on that journey quite yeah. a bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, man, Zach, this was so fun. So much fun. Um, please let my audience know, like, uh, where they can get your book, uh, where they can uh, get a hold of you or like anything you want to promote, please let me uh, let them know right now. Sure. Well, the book is called The Official Depression Relief Playbook. Best place to get it is Amazon. Just search it. And if anybody wants to get in contact with me, like I said, I'll send them that chapter. And it's at ZachSRutledge at gmail.com. And I spell my first name Z-A-C-K. So it's Z-A-C-K-S-Rutledge uh, at gmail.com. All right. Do you want me to toss that in the podcast description? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Uh, Yeah. Like, uh, thank you so much, Zach. And uh, yeah, please, people, like, grab that book. And yeah, especially if you're suffering through any kind of depression. But like, like Zach said, and like people were saying, like, you don't need to be suffering through that to read this book because it gives a lot of good points on just like how to live everyday life. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. I I really appreciate this. All right, that was another episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. You can check me out at NewerKidY on Instagram 
or check out my website, newerkidwide.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up and all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often, Podcast Network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay or Nay.